0: Okay, let's look at our scripture, which is John 11, 1 through 44, a very famous passage uh, on the raising of Lazarus. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellows and disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, and let him go. The word of the Lord. Well, I saw a movie on, I think it was Friday night, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Whoa, that was a a very uh, exhausting movie. Let's put it that way. Uh, It was very similar to just about every uh, other Marvel movie or every adventure movie that we've ever seen. There are really only two things that happen in a Marvel movie, and that is, one, you have to defeat the bad guy, and number two, you have to stay alive until you defeat the bad guy, right? Because if you die, it's all over. Now, you can die in the multiverse. That's okay. You can... You can play the card where it's the time machine and you go back in time, that kind of thing. But if the main character dies, it's over, right? What if, what if Dr. Strange had died five minutes into the movie? You go ahead and you roll credits, right? Because it's over. See, when death comes, it's over. We all understand that death is the end, that you can't come back from it. Death is the apex predator on planet Earth. And so what do we do with death? Well, in the real world, not the movie world, we don't talk about it, right? We put it behind several doors in a hospital, but it's still real, even though we hide it. What's amazing about this story is that Jesus faces death itself and defeats it. What does that mean for us today? What it means is simply this, that Jesus' love for us is even greater than death. And so we can build our life on his love. What we're going to look at in this sermon is how Jesus deals with us in the midst of death and how Jesus deals with death itself going to look at three specific things. Number one, that Jesus weeps with us. He's not immune to our sorrows. Number two, Jesus angers for us. He gets angry on our behalf. And then finally, number three, Jesus dies for us. So let's look at these points. Number one, Jesus weeps for us. Now we see in this uh, passage that a certain man was ill and his name was Lazarus. And he was the, uh, uh, the brother of Mary and Martha. We remember Mary and Martha. I preached on them earlier that Mary was sitting at, at Jesus' feet while Martha was busy doing things around the house. This is the same family. And we see it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. That will actually happen in John 12, uh, which is coming up. So, when Lazarus is sick, and he's so sick that we see in verse 3 that the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, The Lord, to Lord, he whom you love is ill. It appears that Jesus had a special relationship with Lazarus. They were friends. It seems strange to you. Doesn't Jesus love all of us equally? Well, certainly he does. But Jesus was a person, he was personal, he had relationships. And Lazarus was special to him, and so why did they send word to Jesus? Well, two reasons. Number one, Jesus would want to know if his good friend Lazarus was ill, and number two, this is kind of the last resort. They've tried the physicians. They've tried everything. Uh, Lazarus is on death's door, and this is when you can't do anything else. What do you do? You, you, you reach out to whatever you can, and they They realize that Jesus can do something, and so they put the word out to Jesus. Come, come, Jesus. But in verse 4, we see, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus had a supernatural understanding about what was going to happen. Jesus knew that he was going to lead Lazarus through death, back to life. See, there was a purpose behind what was happening to Lazarus, even though Mary and Martha didn't understand it. The Son of Man was going to be glorified through this. Jesus was going to be revealed in a new way through this ordeal. In other words, the suffering that Mary and Martha and Lazarus was experiencing was not pointless people, including Mary and Martha and Lazarus, were going to have a deeper understanding of Jesus. In verse 5, we see Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They had a special place in Jesus' heart. So, it says in verse 6, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, it seems to me that John got this passage wrong, right? Because it should say, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he immediately departed to go to Bethany. But it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. In other words, this was the loving thing to do. No, 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 the loving thing was to go, Jesus, and to ameliorate his suffering. Lazarus died during those two days, by the way. But it's very clear from this passage that Jesus' waiting was motivated by love. Indeed, he waited until Lazarus died before going. And the reason he did that was because he was going to do something more loving, He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, how is that more loving to Mary and Martha than going and healing Lazarus before he dies? Well, a couple of questions. Number one, did they know that Jesus was the son of God? They didn't. They loved him. They called him Lord. They called him teacher, but they didn't know who he was. Now they would. Did they know that Jesus was the resurrection and the life? Not yet. Did they know that nothing could separate them from Jesus' love? Not yet. See, Jesus wants them to know that his love for them is even stronger than death. But in order for them to know this, they first have to experience doubt and discouragement they have to first wonder if he cares at all notice verse 32 the accusatory tone in mary's heart when she speaks with jesus lord if you had been here my brother would not have died lord where were you i needed you and you weren't there See, they have to wrestle with who Jesus really is to them. They had to learn also that Jesus feels our suffering. We see in verse 36, when Jesus comes to the tomb, what does he do? He weeps. He weeps with Mary and Martha and the crowd. And part of us ask the question, why? I mean, in the next instant, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. All will be well. All will be reconciled. No, Jesus wants Mary and Martha to know that I suffer with you. That Jesus hurts when we hurt. When we can't see. When we doubt his love. Jesus hurts alongside of us. Notice that Jesus not only takes care of their circumstances, he first takes care of them. Now we get to see this story come full circle, right? We get to see the end. We get to see how he calls Lazarus out of the tomb and they get him back. What was it like that night at the house, by the way? having Lazarus back after four days. Can you imagine the celebrating? Can you imagine the joy? The fact that their pain was gone. But Mary and Martha got something else. Not only did they get Lazarus back, but they got a newfound belief in Jesus' love, a newfound confidence in his power, A newfound courage for the future and a newfound perspective on suffering. Was Martha and Mary and Lazarus going to have more troubles in their life? Absolutely. But they were going to face them in a different way than they had before. Because Jesus was with them. Well, what does this teach us about Jesus? Jesus. It first teaches us that Jesus cares about you. He knows your pain. He's not callous or immune to your suffering. Even the tiniest sorrow and sadness that you feel, he feels. I love that before Jesus redeemed the situation, he ministered to them in their hurt. I mean, why didn't Jesus just go directly to the tomb? Right? Bypass everything else. Just go to the tomb, heal Lazarus. He doesn't do that. He goes to Mary. He goes to Martha. He meets them in their pain. He sits with them. And he comforts them. When you hurt, he hurts with you. Even though he knows the end. But it also teaches us that there is a purpose in suffering that Jesus wants to show us his glory and his love. He wants us to know him deeper. We can be assured that he will, in the end, redeem all suffering. Now, we might not know, get to know the purpose of why this happened in our life. But we do know that we will know him better through this tragedy and that he will meet us as he met Mary and Martha before he raised Lazarus. And we will be changed into the likeness of Jesus. I remember uh, when my oldest uh, child, Mark, was somewhere around a year old, maybe a little bit younger than that. It was New Year's, uh, excuse me, it was Christmas Eve, and we were visiting my family in Oklahoma. And uh, Mark came down with something very, very bad. And, and so we had to take him to the emergency room, this little, little guy. Uh, uh, Lee Ellen was not feeling well either. So it was me and Mark uh, in the emergency room, uh, eight months old, I think he was. And he was crying and he was flushed and he had a high fever. And they determined that they needed to give him a shot in order to make him feel better. In fact, he had to have this shot or something very bad was going to happen. And so how do you explain to an eight-month-old that he needs a shot? So all I could do was go ahead and, and hold him in my arms. And I, I remember Mark looking at me as I held him, and the doctor came and gave him this shot. And Kim looking at me with his eyes that seemed to communicate to me why are you letting them do this to me? I'm supposed to be safe in your arms. And how could I explain to him that the pain that he was experiencing was ultimately going to turn out for the better? Well, as our kids get older, they understand. But at that time, I had to experience and come alongside my son in the pain And suffering that he had because I loved him. Are you in between the tragedy and the miracle? Are you experiencing pain and suffering? And asking the question, where is Jesus? Are you saying to Jesus, if you had been there, Jesus, my child would not have died. My spouse would not have left me. I would have not been betrayed by my friend. I would have not gotten sick. In other words, when do I get to see the miracle? Know that Jesus hasn't forgotten you. He cares about your suffering. He weeps when we weep, and he's with you in it. And he will show you in the midst of your suffering that he is more than enough he will minister to you and he has a bigger plan and in time it will be revealed and one day your suffering will turn to joy so until then look to Jesus trust in his character trust in his promises nothing is so far that it cannot be redeemed by the Lord remember who he is I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus' love for us is even greater than death. So build your life on his love. This leads me to my second point, that Jesus gets angry for us. Jesus gets to Bethany four days later. We see how he cares for Mary and Martha. It's very interesting, right? Martha comes first and says, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus responds to her, right? Your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know at the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus gives her truth. He expands her understanding so that she would know that the resurrection isn't just an event. The resurrection is a person. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus gives Martha truth because that is what she needs. She needs to hear that it's not over, that Jesus can handle this situation. But notice what happens when Mary comes. When Mary comes, she falls at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. On the surface, it sounds exactly like what Martha said, right? But there are a couple of differences. Mary falls at Jesus' feet. Martha does not. Mary is weeping. Martha is not. Mary does not say, I know that even now God will give you whatever you want. Because Mary has no hope. And what does Jesus do? When he saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus doesn't give any answer at all to Mary, does he? He just weeps with her. Why? Because Martha didn't need the truth. Martha needed tears. What he, she needed was to know that Jesus cared, that Jesus was with her that Jesus would comfort her. See, Jesus knows what we need when we need it. And the truth is we need both, don't we? We need truth and we need tears, but at different times. And Jesus can give us both. Jesus is not only all compassionate, but he's all powerful. He's not only the resurrection and the life, but he's the one who's speechless and weeps with us when we need him. But we see here that Jesus also displays another emotion, and that is anger. We see in verse 33, it says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Verse 38 says he came to the tomb and he was deeply moved again. The literal translation, I don't think the ESV does a great job about this, The, the word that's used in both of these places, if it was referred to animals, it would be referred to as the snorting of horses. For humans, it denotes anger and outrage. Jesus is angry. Jesus is outraged. At what, you may ask? not at Lazarus, not at Mary and Martha. Jesus is angry at death. He's angry at the sin that causes death. He's outraged at Satan who has deceived people so that they do sin. See, Jesus did not make this world to have suffering and death in it. That is the result of the decisions that we have corporately made as humanity. But Jesus hates what it does to us. It's kind of like this. You may have had this happen in your life. You're a parent, and your uh, child comes home from school, and they've got a cut lip, and they've got a a bruised eye. And you ask them what happened, and they got beat up by a, a bully on the school playground. And what happens when you hear this, that they got beat up by someone who was bigger than them? You're angry. You're outraged. You want to go down to that playground and grab this kid by the ear and stare them right in the eyes because you're bigger than them and to do to them what they did to your little kid. See, Jesus is saying, how dare you, death, touch my children. Jesus is not only angry for Lazarus, he's angry for all of us. He's angry for the pain that you and I are going to experience in this life. For all of the pain that we, he is not going to immediately heal in our life. See, I need a God who not only Weeps for me. I need a God who gets angry for me. I need a God who will not only suffer with me, but who will take action for me. I need a God who's going to destroy death and sin and suffering. And so Jesus acts. He bullies death. He says to death, you cannot have this man. Take away the stone. Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. In other words, these clothes, Lazarus, they don't fit you. Let him go. Jesus foreshadows in this story what he is going to do for every single person Who believes in him? For Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, he's saying to his followers, if you believe in me, though you die, you shall live. What I have done to Lazarus, I will do for you. The tomb cannot hold you. But he also says, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I've not only come to physically raise you, but I've come to spiritually awaken you, to give you life on this side of death, to be that spirit in the bones of those Israelites. Jesus wants to bring spiritual life into our life now. Reconciliation to God. Freedom from the penalty of sin and its power. One of the things you learn in seminary is that Jesus occupies a threefold office. And those offices are prophet and priest and king. You know, in the Old Testament, we see these stories of prophets and priests And kings, and they all uh, function never quite doing the perfect job that they need to. But Jesus is all of those things. He's the perfect prophet who reveals to us who God is. He's the perfect priest who offers the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And he is the perfect king. This is what the Westminster Shorter Confession, question number 26, answer 26 says. Jesus is our king who subdues us to himself, rules and defends us, and restrains and conquers all his and our enemies. See, you and I have enemies. Sin, Satan, and death. And they will take our lives. We cannot bargain with it. We cannot cheat it. We cannot trick it. But if you are a follower in Christ, you have a king. Jesus has come to destroy the one who holds the power of death and free us from our enemies. Jesus not only weeps with us, but he's outraged when we suffer. So know, my friends, in your pain that you are not alone. That Jesus will make everything right. That you do not need to fear. Do you feel overwhelmed by life? Overwhelmed by the evil in this world? Overwhelmed by the burdens of your sin? The fear of the future and of death? Jesus has conquered death and he will defend you. So live life with boldness and competence, for you have a king. is outraged for you. Jesus' love for us is even greater than death, so build your life on his love. This brings me to my final point, that Jesus dies for us. Now, one of the things we have to talk about is the price that Jesus pays. See, when Jesus says, let us go to Judea again, and the disciples say, wait a second, they were just about to kill you and you want to go back there. Jesus knows that opposition has been building against Jesus. And one thing is very clear. After this miracle is performed, just a couple of verses later, the Sanhedrin will convene and Lazarus' uh, resurrection is the tipping point. Just a couple of verses later in John eleven fifty three. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. They put out an arrest order. And six days later, Jesus will be on the cross. And Jesus knows this. He knows what will happen if he raises Lazarus from the death, uh, from the dead. See, the truth of the matter, my friends, is this: the death has a price that must be paid. God's law says that the one who sins is the one who dies. The grim reality that we don't like to think about is that Lazarus belongs in that tomb. And so do you, and so do I. And so what we are witnessing here is a standoff between Jesus and death. Death is saying, I have my prize according to your law, Jesus. You can't have him without payment. Someone must pay. In other words, if you let Lazarus out, Jesus, you have to go in. If you take off his grave clothes, you need to put them on. The books must be balanced and the debt must be paid. See, what Jesus is saying when he heals Lazarus is this. I will pay the price. I will stand in his place. And six days later, he does this very thing for Lazarus and for all of his people. See, the most powerful thing about Jesus is not his power. The most powerful thing about Jesus is his love. But God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is standing in front of your tomb, saying to death, You cannot have him. You cannot have her. I have paid for them. So, my friends, fellow believers in Jesus Christ, you have a destiny and it's not death. It's resurrection. Are you living in grave clothes? Is the world pulling you down? Saying you're not enough. You're guilty. You're condemned. The cross says you're free. Live in the freedom of Christ. Because you are forgiven and righteous in him. You are a child of God. If you are not a Christian, today is the opportunity to have your sins wiped out, to have freedom from the failures of the past, to have confidence in the future. So make Jesus your king. Trust in his salvation. For Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus' love for us is even greater than his death, than death. So build your life on his love. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you conquered death, that you went into the tomb, that we might be free from the agony of death, that we might be resurrection, that if we die, we might live, and if we live, we might never die. God, help us to trust in you and to look to you, for your love is even stronger than death. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.